0: Hello again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to a special episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1947 1948 season. Uh, Jack, if you remember back from last week, was heading into Denver to commemorate the 10th anniversary of the March of Dimes. It was started in 1938 by President Roosevelt. Now, of course, in 1948, President Roosevelt Unfortunately, has passed away. When he started the March of Dimes to try and find a cure for polio, he was stricken with it, and the country, most of the country, didn't even know that our president was in a wheelchair, and um, that it's. I think it's inspiring that um, the president who, the man who was president the longest had a disability and still was able to of course lead the country. And It shows that folks with a disability can still do amazing things. Um, this episode uh, features the then governor of um, the state of Colorado and um, it's it's amazing to think that at this time, according to my sources, they did charge for this performance. Usually Jack's shows are, are free to the public. You know, those who can get tickets are not <laughs> that many tickets. Uh, but in this case, there were a lot more tickets. And tickets went from anywhere from $5 to $1,000 per ticket. Now, I was thinking about this. Is This is... <laughs> This is a time where $1,000 is worth a lot of money. Um, it, 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 you'd be paying far more to see Jack at this point for a $1,000 a ticket than today to see the Rolling Stones or something like that. I mean, it's just amazing um, that they could ask for that kind of money and some people could actually pay it. But I think most of us... <laughs> that love Jack Benny would be more than happy to give a thousand dollars to see Jack perform. Um, anyway, a special performance tonight. I hope you enjoy it. Um, it. The whole March of Dimes went to show that when our country got behind something and folks were willing to make changes, they could actually solve a problem in the, in the cure for polio. Some of the other things that we're trying to, of course, cure are a lot harder and are taking a lot longer. But hopefully, we'll start seeing more cures for cancer and Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's and so many of the things that still plague us. And hopefully we can all get behind them like folks got behind the March of Dimes. Anyway, enjoy tonight's show, and we'll see you Next time.
1: The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Quality of product is
2: essential to continuing success. Front page news. The Crosley Poll, famous impartial research group, has just finished asking United States government leaf tobacco graders, what cigarette do you smoke? More named Lucky Strike than any other brand. Yes. United States government tobacco experts
1: name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice. This same impartial Crossley poll also proves Lucky's first choice with independent tobacco buyers, auctioneers, and warehousemen. And when these tobacco experts choose Lucky's, then you know. LSMFT. LSMFT. Lucky strike means fine tobacco. And in a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. United States
2: government tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky
1: strike first choice. So, for your own real, deep-down smoking enjoyment, smoke the smoke, tobacco expert smoke, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw.
3: Broadcasting for the March of Dimes campaign in Denver, Colorado, the Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, the Sportsman's Quartet, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you the star of our show, a man who is loved and admired by millions, not only a good fellow, but a great artist. And here I am, Don Wilson.
4: (laughs) Don! Don, what's the idea of that introduction? I come all the way to Denver to do a show, and you introduce yourself as the star. Well, Jack, Denver happens to be my hometown, and I didn't think you'd mind. I wouldn't mind. Uh, Don... If that ever happens again, you'll be back doing spot announcements on KOA. (laughs) But, Don, I can understand your enthusiasm, this being your hometown. From what I've seen of it, you can be very proud. Oh, I'm glad you said that, Jack. I don't want to sound overly sentimental, but I love every square mile of Denver. Well, that's as it should be, Don, because I'm sure Denver loves every square mile of you. (laughs)
3: to see your... <laughs> So you're even. Oh, right? now, there you go again, Jack, making jokes about my size. Now, you may not believe this, but when I was born, I was an incubator
4: baby. Oh, I know, Don. Mayor Newton told me that in your honor, the city still has the incubator. <laughs> you really
5: have?
4: Really? Yes, Jack, I didn't know that. I wonder if they'd let me take it back to California with me. I don't think so, Don. They're holding the rodeo in it now. Oh, I know. <laughs> Or <laughs> or Rodeo, as they call it in Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. <laughs> but, Don, isn't it wonderful to be broadcasting here from the city auditorium with an audience of 3,500 people? Yes, Jack, and for the March of Dimes, each of them contributed anywhere from five dollars to $1,000 for a ticket to get in. Don, Don, you mean the people paid as much as $1,000 to get in here today? They certainly did. Gosh! If I'd have known that, I'd, I'd have raised the price of the popcorn in the lobby. <laughs> I
6: could have gotten ten dollars a pop. <laughs> but anyway,
4: oh hello, Mary. Hello,
7: Jack. Say,
4: Mary, Mary, isn't it a thrill being in Denver at this time?
8: Oh, it's wonderful, Jack. And wasn't that a grand reception we got when we arrived in town?
4: I'll say. But, Mary, there's something I wanted to talk to you about. What's that? When we got off the train, just because I shook hands with the governor, you didn't have to kiss the mayor. You see?
8: <laughs> you say hello your way. I'll say hello mine. <laughs>
4: all right, all right. What's... What's done is done. But remember, when we leave, things are going to be different. Do you understand?
8: Okay, I'll shake hands with the governor and you kiss the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mean that.
4: Huh?
8: Well, kidding aside, Jack, Mayor Newton is awful cute. And just think, being the mayor of a city the size of Denver, and he's only 35 years old.
4: 35? Don, is that how young Mayor Newton is? That's
3: right, Jack, just 35.
4: <clears throat> Gosh, it's... I to believe I'm only three years older than he.
3: <laughs>
8: Jack, what? We were talking about the mayor, not the governor. Oh. <laughs>
4: Listen, I know who we're talking about. In fact, Don introduced me to both of them. You know, Mary, Denver is Don's hometown. Oh,
8: I know it is, Jack, and I've written a poem in his honor.
4: A po— Well, that's sweet. Let's hear it.
8: Okay. <coughs> <laughs> to you, Don Wilson, our announcer, we love you all. Yes, every pound, sir. Yeah. From the front or from the back, so round, so firm, <laughs> so fully <tied. laughs> That's
4: very good, Mary, very good. Of course, I've had so much fun here in Denver, I think everything is good. I certainly had a thrill last night at the stock show when I auctioned off a prize steer. And, Mary, you wouldn't believe it, but that steer weighed 2,000 pounds. I never thought that... I never thought... Jack. What? How much did you say that steer weighed? Uh, 2,000 pounds. That's a lot of bull. (laughs) (laughs)
5: That was
4: pretty good, huh, Jack? (laughs) Uh, how could you possibly pull such an old, corny joke? That's a lot of bull. You ought to be ashamed of yourself.
8: Jack, is that an old joke?
4: Oh, Mary, a long time ago, when I was in Vaudeville, I sent one of my old suits to a rescue mission, and that joke was in the pocket. Really.
8: <laughs> but, Jack, two weeks ago, I heard that same joke on Fred Allen's program.
4: How do you like that? He's worn out the suit, but he's still using the joke. <laughs> I was a little nervous there. You'll excuse me. <laughs> you know, well, I'm in a strange town. Now, Don, what I said still goes. I don't want any more of those corn. Okay, girls, throw away your
6: last suits and don't you miss, cause who hope ties me first gets a great big kiss.
5: <laughs> Lay it on me with that.
4: Phil, did you think of that introduction all by yourself? Well, I sure did, Jackson. My brain's really working, but I got to give Livy credit for it. She told me what to do. Mary, what'd you tell him to do?
8: I told him to squirt some oil in that hole in his head. (laughs) Good, good. Well, Phil,
4: now that all the parts in your head are moving again, tell me, you've been having a good time here in Denver? You know, there's so many places of interest. You're not kidding, Jackson. When I got off the train, the first thing I did was go straight to the library. Well, Phil, I...
5: (laughs) Wait a
4: minute. You went to the library? What'd you take out? The librarian?
5: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, Harris, two more jokes like that and you'll have to have your oil changed. <laughs> Don't change it, just add a quart. <laughs> but your being in a library makes about as much sense as Maxie Rosenblum addressing Congress. Although, Phil, if you spent more time in the library, you might learn something. What are you talking about, Jackson? There are other ways to pick up an education. I've done a lot of traveling. I've been all over the country. I know plenty. Oh, you do, eh? Well, then tell me. In what state is Pike's Peak? All right, all right. So you pick the one thing I don't know. <laughs> I thought so. Phil, I'll make it simpler. What city is the capital of Colorado? Well, um... Um, look! 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 Here's a, in what state is Colorado Springs? <laughs> uh, well. Oh, um,
8: Jack, let him alone. Wait a
4: minute, Mary. Watch this, Phil. How many pool rooms are there in Colorado? Two hundred ninety-seven. <laughs> He knows. Pennsylvania has 492. New York's got (laughs) 2,053. North Dakota's got 165. West Virginia's got 23. We believe you. We believe you. you. (laughs) Now listen, Phil, closely and I'll help you. I asked you what city is the capital of Colorado and you didn't know. Well, I'll give you a hint. The name of the city starts with a D and ends with an R. Pueblo. (laughs) Pick up your stick and lead the band, Okay, will you? Jackson. Hit okay. it, boy. Wait a minute, Phil. No more music. We haven't got time. No more music. We haven't got time. To... We're ru- running way over now. That was your guess is as good as mine, played by Phil Harris, and he makes you want to go to Leadville
5: Orchestra. <laughs> and now, go... wait a
4: minute, Jackson. Wait a minute. I wish you wouldn't make no cracks about the band. I went to a lot of trouble rounding up these
2: musicians here in Colorado. I almost didn't have enough men. Really? Yeah, but luckily the governor pardoned
4: six of them just for this program. <laughs> Well, that was nice of the governor. Come in. Yes?
8: Is this the Jack Benny program? Well,
4: come right in. Gee, I'm glad to see you. Have a chair.
8: I have a telegram for Jack Benny.
4: Uh, Take it, Mary. Thank you, son. Phil, why'd you make such a fuss over the kid? He's only a messenger boy. I thought it was Mayor Newton. (laughs) Hey, maybe... No, it couldn't be. This boy shaves already.
8: <laughs>
4: say, Mary, uh, who's the telegram from?
8: Uh, just a minute. I'll open it. Okay. Oh, Jack, look. It's from New York, from Fred Allen.
4: Oh, fine. What does he say?
8: Uh, dear Jack, I hear that your show and the stock show are in Denver at the same time. <laughs> there's, there's a wind coming from the West that tells me the stock show is fighting a losing battle. <laughs>
4: How do you like that?
8: There's a P.S.
4: A P.S. on a telegram?
8: I saw pictures of you in the current issue of Liberty Magazine. To paraphrase Patrick Henry, don't give me liberty, give me death. Makes
3: he's so smart. Say, Jack, I saw those pictures in Liberty Magazine. I read the article, too.
8: So did I, Jack.
4: You know, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Mary, do I look good in the picture? Oh,
8: Jack, you look wonderful.
4: Thank heaven.
8: And Lady Esther. <laughs> Wait a minute,
4: Mary. You know that... Come on, Jackson. Come on. Let's hurry up and finish this clam bake. I want to leave for home as soon as this show's over. Why, Phil, what's the big hurry? Are you kidding? While I'm here in Denver, Robert Taylor's going to be a guest star on my program back in Hollywood. Just think of it. Robert Taylor with Alice.
8: (laughs) Why, Phil, don't tell me you're jealous. Certainly
4: I'm jealous. Robert
2: Taylor's a big husky guy with dimples in his cheeks, beautiful wavy hair, and a gorgeous smile.
6: He's almost as pretty as I am. (laughs) What? And if he can sing that's what I like about the South, I'm dead.
5: <laughs>
4: oh, Phil, I wouldn't worry about Robert Taylor. He's a dope. He doesn't even know that Pueblo is the capital of Colorado.
5: <laughs> well, if he
4: thinks I'm gonna tell him, he's crazy.
6: <laughs> Certainly.
4: So believe me, Phil, you have nothing.
6: <laughs> hey, what's that? Hello, partner. Yippee! <laughs> Me and Poison, hop along, Kitzel Well, hello, Mr. Kitzel Hello Mr. Kitzel, what are you doing here in Denver? I came up to visit the stock show (laughs) Oh, you're interested in cattle? Yes, I always wanted to see what a salami looked like while it was still walking (laughs)
8: Oh, well Well, Mr. Kitzel, you certainly look like a regular cowboy
6: Yeah,
4: you must have been riding a lot of horses Who,
6: me? I never ride horses
4: then how come you're so bowling?
6: My coat is too heavy.
8: <laughs> but Mr. Kissel, you're
6: not wearing a coat. I know. I left it down at the railroad station. Oh, is your coat checked? No, it's blue switch. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs>
6: oh, Mr. Bennett, that's a joke I heard on the radio program. I know,
4: I know. It was on last Sunday's Lucky Strike program.
6: You listened to it too? <laughs> Yes,
4: yes, whenever I get a chance. Well, tell me, Mr. Kitzel, do you like uh,
6: this part of the country? Oh, yes, I do. You know, I even own a big ranch here, 1,700 acres. No kidding? Yep, and I'm protecting it all myself from cattle rustlers. All day long, I'm walking around carrying my trusty 88 revolver.
4: 88? Don't you mean 44? Why be (laughs) half-safe?
6: I see what you mean, huh? Well, goodbye, partner. Reagan, I got to be running along. Goodbye, Mr. Kitzel. I got spurs the jingle jingle.
4: You know that Mr. Kitzel has a good time every place he goes. Hey, Jackson, where's Dennis? Ain't it time for the kid to do his song? Phil, if you'd come to rehearsal, you'd know that Dennis couldn't be here. He had a bad cold for two weeks, and his doctor wouldn't let him travel. Gee, I wish he could have been here. He'd have gotten a big kick when I auctioned off that steer at the stock show last night. You should have seen it too, Phil. That steer weighed 2,000 pounds. That's a lot of bull. Now
6: cut that out! (laughs) I
4: balled down out for using that same old corny gag, and I don't want to hear it again. All right, Jackson, all right. Don't ball me out. I'm worried about Alice and Robert Taylor. That's why I'm so cognacicated.
5: (laughs) Bill, there's
4: no such word as cognacitated. What's the difference? I pronounced it right. (laughs) Oh, go sit down. Say, Don, if Dennis isn't here, what are we going to do about a song? I've got that all fixed up, Jack. That's why I brought the quartet. They've prepared a beautiful vocal number. Oh, yes, yes, the sportsman. Fellas, do you really think it fits the occasion? Hmm. Good, good. Let's hear it.
5: Give
7: me a home where the buffalo roam, where happy Boone and Speedy explain. Where all you can hear is that fine auctioneer, and they small Lucky Strike all the day. Where my branding iron I'll never change On each steer you a product is essential
6: to the Ask Scary man who smokes a lucky strike and he will tell you that's the only one he likes when they are round and firm and fully packed and easy on the draw. Yes, yes.
4: Very good, Don. Very good. I didn't expect the boys to go into a commercial, but I forgive them from the bottom of my bread and butter. Now, kids, uh, since this particular broadcast is so important, I do think we ought to, uh, excuse me, uh, come in. How do you do, Mr. Benny? Well, it's Governor Lee now of Colorado. Well, Governor, it certainly is an honor having you drop in on us. Well, thank you, Jack. I'm so glad you came to Denver, and I hope you haven't minded the weather. It practically changes from one hour to the next. I know what you mean, Governor. Yesterday, I saw a girl walking down the street wearing a bare midriff and snowshoes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way, Governor, you remember Mary. You met her at the station. Oh, yes. How are you, Mary? Oh,
8: hello, Governor. Uh, Do you mind if I ask you a personal question?
4: Oh, not at all.
8: Well, I've seen several pictures of you, and in each one you were wearing a bow tie. And I noticed that you have on a bow tie again today. Do you always wear one?
4: Uh, Yes, it facilitates matters when I appear before the state legislature. The uh, bow tie? Yes. Uh, Once you get them swooning, and the rest is easy. I believe I understand. Uh,
8: Governor, would you mind answering another question? Uh, not
6: at all, Mary.
8: Well, I notice your hair is rather thin on top and you're gray around the temples. How old are you? Well,
6: thirty-eight.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
4: thirty-eight, but Governor, I'm thirty-eight. I thought we looked about the same age. <laughs>
8: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, there'll be a short pause while Jack Benny turns Republican. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Mary, please. Hey, Jackson, hey, introduce me, introduce oh, me. Oh, yes, yes, Governor Now, so this is Phil Harris. Hello, Mr. Harris. Uh,
6: didn't I see you in the library? Oh, yes, sir. Were you there, too? Yes, <laughs> uh, I was trying to find a book that would translate the lyrics... Oh, that's what I like about the South. <laughs> hey, hey, that governor's a sharpie, isn't he? Yeah, you're not
4: <laughs> <laughs> You're not kidding, Phil. You should have heard the governor last night. You know, Governor Nowitz gave a little talk at the stock show when I auctioned off the prize steer. You know, Governor, that steer weighed two thousand pounds. Oh, well, that's a lot of bull. <laughs>
6: What a sense of humor. Jack. Mary,
4: he's the governor. What a terrific guy. Oh, Jack, I shouldn't have pulled such a corny joke. Corny? Governor, it was sensational. It was not only clever, but it had just the right touch of subtlety. Now, tell me, Governor, have you ever thought of doing any writing?
6: Uh, No, Jack, I haven't. You see, the affairs of state keep me quite busy. Most of my writing is confined to official correspondence and personal letters. Oh, Uh, Which reminds me, you didn't answer a letter I sent you two years ago.
4: Yeah, it's funny. I should remember receiving a letter from you. What was in it? I mean, how did it go? It started out, I can't stand Jack Benny because...
7: Oh, the contest! Oh, the contest, of course.
4: Oh, the contest. Well, I'm sorry that you didn't win the prize.
6: Oh, that's all right, Jack. Because of that letter, I was elected governor of Colorado.
4: Oh, Don, Don, come here a minute. Yes, Jack. Governor, I want you to meet my announcer, Don Wilson. Oh, I know Don. He's one of our native Tons. <laughs> oh, Governor, uh, Governor, just a minute, Governor. Uh, look at the script. Uh, that's son. Oh, look at Wilson, and that's Tons.
5: <laughs>
4: oh, oh, I get
5: it.
4: <laughs> hello, Don. Well, hello, Governor. Well, Governor, I'm awfully happy you dropped in, and if there's anything you want me to do while I'm in Denver, just mention it. Right there at the bottom of the page, Governor, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jack, there's one thing I'd really like to have you do. I'd be just as nervous if I was governor.
8: <laughs> what would you like me to do, Governor? Now, please
6: play your violin. What?
8: Governor, you asked Jack to play his violin in front of all these people? Yes. Aren't you interested in being (laughs) re-elected?
4: Mary. Hmm? Well, maybe you're right, Mary, but seriously,
6: Jack, before I go, the citizens of Colorado would like to give you this citation as a token of their gratitude. It says, in appreciation to Jack Benny for coming to Denver and launching the 1948 March of Dimes campaign. His presence has brought sunshine and joy to stricken faces, and he has accelerated the giving of many thousands of dollars in the never-ending fight against infantile paralysis. And, Jack, it gave me great personal pleasure to place my signature and the
4: state seal on this citation. Well, thank you, Governor. Thank you very, very much. You. And, if, and if you'll notice, Jack, there's a real dime on that citation. I noticed that right away, yeah. <laughs> And Jack, uh, you might be interested to know that this coin is the first one of a new series. If you look closely, you'll see how it differs from the other dimes. Let me see. Well, what do you know? E pluribus Benny. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: well, thank you, Governor. It's been a great pleasure coming up to Colorado for this campaign. Hey, Don. Yes, Jack. I want to tell you, I really got a thrill meeting the governor, and I don't blame you for being proud of this wonderful state. This trip has been one of the most... Oh, there's the telephone. I'll get it. Hello?
6: Hello, Mr. Benny. This is Rochester. (laughs) Oh, hello, Rochester. What did you call me for? Well, I'm over here in your suite at the Brown Palace Hotel, and I think you're in trouble. Why, what happened? The manager dropped in. The manager of the hotel? Uh Uh-huh, and he got a little upset when he found you rented out your other twin bed. (laughs) Oh. And he got kind of aggravated when he found you were doing laundry in the bathroom. Gee. And then he got awful red in the face when he saw the slot machines you put in the hall. (laughs) God. And when he found out you opened a coffee shop in the broom closet, he went all to pieces.
4: (laughs) Oh, that's awful! How are things in my living room?
6: Not so good. One of the barbers just quit. <laughs> uh, oh. Well, will have
4: one of my writers take over his chair.
6: Yes, sir. goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. Now what? Can I have the night? Can I have the night off? Some friends here in Denver are giving me a birthday party.
4: Wait a minute, Rochester. I thought your birthday was in April.
6: That's in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh. In Chicago, my birthday's in
4: June. I see, but your real birthday is today. Yes, sir. How old are you? 38. <laughs> Rochester, you're 38? Yeah, ain't everybody?
5: <laughs>
4: yes, everybody but Al Jolson. He's 39.
5: <laughs> well, Rochester, you can go
6: tonight, but I want you to be home early because... Uh-oh, uh-oh. hold it, boss, hold it. What's the matter? The hotel manager just came back. He got into a fight with the man who ran your extra bed... Fell over a bundle of laundry in the bathroom, lost $2 in your slot machine, got indigestion in your coffee shop, and one of your barbers snipped off his ear.
4: <laughs> yeah, I better calm the manager down. Put him on the phone. Let me talk to him. Wait till he finds the party he
6: with. <laughs>
4: oh, well, never mind. I'll talk to him later. Goodbye.
6: Goodbye.
4: I better get to the hotel right away and straighten things up. Ladies and gentlemen, the nation's fight against infantile paralysis continues relentlessly. The March of Dimes has made this possible. But your contributions must keep rolling in in order to continue the fight against polio. Please send your dimes and quarters to your local March of Dimes headquarters now. Join the March of Dimes.
3: Thank you. Jack will be back in just a minute, but first, here's
2: Basil Risedale with Front Page News. United States government tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first
6: choice.
1: In the nation's great tobacco markets, the independent Crossley Poll asked United States government leaf tobacco graders what cigarette do you smoke? More said Lucky Strike than any other brand. Yes. United States government tobacco
2: experts named Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice.
1: And in the same impartial poll, independent tobacco buyers, auctioneers, and warehousemen again named Lucky Strike first choice. You've heard the poll results.
2: Now listen to what veteran tobacco buyer Carl Hartfield said recently. Season after season, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine tobacco. Ripe prime leaf that's got real quality. I've smoked Luckers 28 years.
1: Friends, when experts like independent tobacco buyers, auctioneers and warehousemen, and United States government leaf tobacco graders name Lucky Strike first choice for personal smoking enjoyment, then you know. LSMFT. LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke the smoke tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Governor Naus, Mayor Newton, and everybody in Denver for making our week here so enjoyable and inviting us here to help launch the March of Dimes campaign. They've done a wonderful job here in Denver. Tomorrow night, we'll be saying hello to all my friends in Pueblo, Colorado to continue this worthy cause. Good night, everybody. <laughs>
9: about the new look in fashion. Well, there's a new look in hair beauty, too. Women everywhere are achieving that look of softer, shinier hair with a marvelous new product, Fitch Cream Shampoo. It's made with two beneficial beauty aids, lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin is used to soften the hair to leave it smooth and caressable. Olive oil is used to bring out sparkling highlights to accent the glowing radiance of your hair. Fitch cream shampoo is so easy to use. A small dab quickly whips into a fragrant creamy lather that thoroughly cleanses hair and scalp. Then just rinse with plain water and every bubble of suds is gone. After shampooing, your hair stays in place. It stays soft and it stays shining as though it had been brushed and brushed and brushed. Buy the large economical four ounce jar of Fitch cream shampoo featured now at drug and toilet goods counters. That's Fitch Cream Shampoo for that flattering new look of softer, shinier hair.
10: The F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch Shampoo, presents the Fitch Bandwagon, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Janine Roos, and Whitfield, Robert North, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris, and today's special guest, Robert Taylor. This week, Phil is in Denver with Jack Benny, where they're doing a show for the March of Dimes. Alice had to find somebody to replace Phil on the Fitch program. And as we look in on the Harris home, we find Alice and Frankie awaiting the arrival of her special guest, the Metro-Golden-Mayer star, Robert Taylor.
11: Gee, Frankie, aren't you excited? Not particularly (laughs) But Frankie, just think who we're having on our program today Robert
12: Taylor The name leaves me utterly devoid of any emotion whatsoever (laughs) You know, Alice, you didn't have to get anyone to take Curly's place I could have taken over
11: the show Oh, don't be silly, Frankie We needed somebody to replace Phil And Phil insisted we get someone just as masculine and virile and broad-shouldered as he is
12: Yeah For that, you had to get a movie star? (laughs) I'm just as good as any of them I defy you to name three movie stars Who are more masculine, more virile, more broad-shouldered than I am Go on, name three
11: Charlie Ruggles, Barry Fitzgerald, and Victor Moore (laughs) Uh,
12: That ain't fair, you're only naming men (laughs) Besides, Curly didn't want you to have a good-looking guy like Taylor on the show
11: Oh, Phil doesn't mind He didn't say a word when I told him whom I was getting Well,
12: no wonder you didn't tell him you were getting Robert Taylor You used the guy's real name Uh, what's his real name
11: again? Spangler Arlington Brew Oh, isn't that a pretty name, Frankie?
12: Fine name Sounds like a homemade cure for Virus X (laughs) Now, look, Alice, why don't you let me take over the show?
11: Frankie, for the last time, no.
12: Just for that, I got a good mind not to read that story about you and Curly in this month's Radio Mirror.
11: Ooh, ooh, that must be Bob now. I'll let him no, in. No, sit still,
12: Alice. I'll get it. Huh. I get a chance to take over the fit show, and this guy Taylor has to show up. Gotta get rid of him. Maybe if I insult him, he'll take the hint and leave. It's not in my makeup to be nasty But I'll just force myself <laughs> Look, Bob, get lost We can't use you on a show And I don't care how good-looking you are
9: Do you really think I'm good-looking, Franklin?
8: <laughs> <laughs>
12: oh, it's you, Willie What do you want? I'm here to see Alice Where is she?
8: Frankie, is that...
9: Oh, hello, William Good morning, Alice, dear Uh, I came over to go to the rehearsal with you.
11: Why do you want to go to rehearsal, William?
9: Well, I feel that with Philip gone, this is my opportunity to uh, offer a few suggestions that would improve the program. Like what? Well, for one thing, I feel that we should raise the level of the orchestral selections. Instead of the usual loud, brassy numbers, I'd like to hear something more in the nature of the classical chamber music such as a sonata, a concerto, or perhaps a fugue. Well, la, de (laughs)
7: Look,
12: Willie, stop trying to muscle in. Don't forget this is still Curly's show and we're gonna do what he wants. And Taylor, Alice, and I can do a good job. Do you think so? Of course. With Taylor and Alice's stooges, how can I miss on my program?
11: (laughs) Oh, now it's your program. And I'm just a stooge. Huh. Perhaps you don't need me at all, Mr. Remley. Now that you mention it. Never mind. <laughs> you wouldn't be trying to steal Phil's show, would you, Frankie? Perish the thought, Alice. I can't understand what happened to Bob. He promised to be here early so we could go down to rehearsal together.
12: <laughs> oh, that must be Bob now. Don't disturb yourself, Alice. I'll let him in.
13: I gotta discourage this character somehow. Yeah? Uh, How do you do? My name is Robert Taylor.
12: What was that name again, bub?
13: (laughs) Uh, I, uh, I said I'm Robert Taylor. (laughs) So? (laughs) So nothing. That's the way I feel about it. Look, uh, mister, I have an appointment. Is this Alice Fay's house? Alice Fay? Yeah. Oh, you must have the wrong address. This is the La Brea Tar Pits. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I'm sorry. I'll leave and you can crawl back into your pit, old man.
11: Craggy, who is it? Is there. A... Oh, hello, Bob. Hello,
13: Alice. I'm sorry I'm late.
11: Oh, that's all right, Bob. Come on in.
13: <laughs> I had a little trouble with this gentleman here.
11: Gee, I hope Frankie wasn't rude Oh, no,
13: forget it, Alice Everyone has trouble with help nowadays
12: <laughs> Help? Help!
13: What's the matter? Are you drowning or something?
12: You got a lot of nerve mistaking me for a servant Apparently you don't know who I am Well, who are you? My name happens to be Frank Rimley <laughs> So?
11: <laughs> oh, it's awfully nice of you to come over and help us out, Bob It's
13: a pleasure, Alice
11: So this is Robert Taylor, huh? That's right, Frankie. Isn't he handsome?
12: I've seen better.
11: (laughs) Frankie, what's wrong with you? Are you jealous of Bob? Me jealous of him? why should I be? I don't know, I thought perhaps you were jealous of his looks. After all, you must admit he's very good looking.
5: Oh,
12: I don't know. (laughs) I think Curly's much prettier.
5: Don't
7: you?
11: Well, sure, uh, certainly. Certainly, Frankie. I I think Phil is better looking than Bob.
13: Oh, I don't know. (laughs)
12: I'll go further than that. I'm better looking than Taylor. (laughs) (laughs)
11: Oh, Frankie, don't be ridiculous. Bob has a terrific profile. So what? I got a whole face. Better get down to rehearsal The band will be waiting for us
13: Well, before we leave, Alice I'd like to see the script You see, I haven't done much radio lately And I'm kind of nervous about doing the show
12: Oh, well, we can't use a nervous performer You ought to rest <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go home and lie down For a couple of
11: weeks Oh, <laughs> uh, Bob, an actor like yourself Has nothing to worry about I saw your latest MGM picture The High Wall You did a wonderful job If you could do it in pictures You can do it in radio Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll get the scripts And I also want to tell the children we're leaving
13: Oh, by the way, Alice, I've never met your children Like to, where are they?
11: Oh, uh, Phyllis and Alice are in the playroom with William I'll call them Children! Children, come in here a minute
13: Uh, You know, uh, radio's
12: an awful strain, Mr. Taylor Look what it did to Benny and Bergen They lost all their hair
11: (laughs) Frankie, will you please be quiet? Did you call us, Mommy? Yes, children, I want you to meet Mr. Taylor Hello? Hello?
13: Say, they're cute kids, Alice. What's your name, honey, and how old are you?
8: I'm Phyllis, and
9: I'm four. Huh? I'm Alice, and I'm six.
13: And you, Sonny? What's your name, and how old are you?
9: <laughs> I'm William, and I'm twenty-five. <laughs>
13: twenty-five, Alice. I didn't realize you were old enough. That's
11: to... my brother <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm I'm sorry. Who is this man, Mommy? Oh, he's Robert Taylor, dear. He's going to take your daddy's place.
8: Oh, Phyllis, we got a new daddy. What do you think of him? He's nice, but I think Mommy should have kept the one we had. Come on, Alice. See you later, Daddy.
12: Well... I wonder how Curly's gonna like it when he finds out that the kid's call Spangler Arlington Brew, Daddy.
5: <laughs>
12: By the way, Taylor, where'd you get that name? Spangler Arlington Brew. <laughs> uh,
5: well,
13: that, uh, that, that's not really my name. You see, it's just a nickname the kids in school gave me. You know how kids are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob is such a hard name to say. Yeah. <laughs>
12: You know, Taylor, uh, Curly was kind of jealous about you being on the show. Is that true, Alice?
11: Oh, of course not. Phil hasn't got a jealous bone in his body. He's very happy to have you here. Oh, excuse me while I answer the phone. Hello? Yes, well, put him on. It's Phil calling from Denver. Oh. Good. Hello, hello, Phil. How are you, darling? What do you mean, do darling you? <laughs> yes, Robert Taylor is here. Well, he's only here because of the show. You like him, don't you? Bill Harris, what's your language?
1: (laughs) Curly's tickled that you're here, Taylor. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously.
11: Oh, don't be silly, Phil. Bob will be wonderful for the show. Bob is such a good... Of course I call him Bob. What, do you want me to call him Sam?
12: (laughs) You could call him Spangler.
11: (laughs) Oh, Phil, you're acting like a child Bob is just here to help you out And you're being ridiculous All right, goodbye Oh, why does Phil have to be like that?
13: He seemed kind of mad at my
11: being here, didn't he, Alice? Yeah, but don't let that bother you, Sam <laughs> I mean, Bob I'll, uh, I'll go get the script for you And you can look it over, hmm? Yeah. Oh, Phil Why did you have to hang up mad? It's so silly of you to think that I'd even look at another man. You know how I feel about you, as far as I'm concerned. You're the top. You're the Coliseum. You're the top. You're the Lou Museum. You're a melody from a symphony by Strauss. You're a Bendelballet, a Shakespeare sonnet, you're a Mickey Mouse. You're the Nile You're the Tower of Pisa You're the smile On the Mona Lisa I'm a worthless check A total wreck of flop But if baby I'm the bottom You're the top You're the top You're Mahatma Gandhi You're the top You're Napoleon Brandy. You're the purple light of a summer night in Spain. You're the National Gallery. You're Jack Benny's salary. You're cellophane. You're sublime. You're a turkey dinner. You're the time of the Derby winner. I'm a toy balloon that's faded soon to pop. But if, baby, I'm the bottom, you're the top
12: i take my word for it, Taylor Radio is a very tough racket If I were you, I'd back out while I still had my health
11: Frankie, don't you ever give up Here's the script, Bob We'd better get down to rehearsal now. Well, Alice,
13: I'd I'd like to look it over before we get down there.
11: All right, you look it over and come down later with Frankie. And, oh, by the way, Bob, the script was written for Phil, so you'll have to do it the way he does. You think you can?
13: Well, I think so. I hear Phil on the show every week, and I know how he sounds.
11: Then you're sure you won't have any trouble reading Phil's lines? Mm. (laughs) Nah. NBC with William. See you later, boys. Yeah, I'll be there,
13: Alice. Uh, now, look, Taylor, about radio, it's one of the toughest things to do, and if you really... Please be quiet, will you, so that I can study this script before we go to NBC? Well, here we
12: are at NBC, Taylor. Uh, before we go in... You sure you want to go through with us? Sure, I'm Sure. Well, all right, if you don't care what happens to you. What do you mean, what happens to me? I don't want to worry, uh, but... We had a movie star on a show last year who was just about as nervous as you are. Poor guy fainted, hit his head on the microphone, suffered a concussion from which he never got over it.
13: To this day, he's still groggy.
1: Hate to see that happen to you. Now don't
13: worry about me. I'm going to do the show. All right, have it your way. Let him call you punch-drunk Taylor. Cut it out, will you? Where do we go to get into the rehearsal? Now, right through this door
6: where the cop is. Hiya, Jim. Oh, it's you, Mr. Remley. Yeah, go right in. Hey, you! Who, me? Yeah. You can't go in unless you belong on one of the shows.
13: I am on one of the shows. I'm with Mr. Remley here.
6: Oh, Mr. Remley. You know this man? Yeah, he's... Don't you recognize him?
13: No. In that case, I never saw him before. (laughs) Remley, tell him who I am. Yeah, who is he? He's some guy
12: named Spangler Arlington Brew. He's been following me all morning for
13: my autograph. Maybe you ought to run him in, Jim. Keep him out of trouble. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I- I'm Robert Taylor.
6: Oh, Robert Taylor, huh? Yeah. Can you prove it?
13: Well, of course I can. Here's my driver's license. My name's right on and it, says, it. It says, it, it says,
6: uh... Well, uh, what does it say?
13: Spangler Arlington Brew. <laughs> But I tell you, officer, my name is Robert
12: Taylor. Don't believe him, Jim. Look at that picture on his license. Don't look a bit like him. The face on the picture's full of lines. That's my (laughs) thumbprint.
11: Doesn't look like his thumb, either. Jim, if I were you, I'd run a... Oh, there you are. I came out to look for you. What took you so long, Bob?
6: Oh, do you you know this man, Miss Fay?
11: Why, of course I do. He's Robert Taylor.
6: You mean... He's Robert Taylor, the guy who's married to Barbara Stanwyck?
11: That's right.
6: Gee. Miss <laughs> um, Stanwyck is one of my favorite movie stars. Oh, I think she's a wonderful actress.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: So do I. Yeah, uh, I think she's pretty. So do I. I think she's the prettiest girl that's ever been in pictures.
11: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> to rehearse with you. Come
12: on, Frankie. I'm not going in.
11: (laughs) Oh, now what's the matter now, Frank?
12: I made up my mind. There ain't no room on this show for both Taylor and me, so you'll have to choose between us. Who do you want, Robert Taylor or Frankie Remley? Robert Taylor. Let me put it this way. (laughs) Would you rather have a radio performer or a picture star?
11: A picture star.
12: Hey, wait a minute. I got one way left. (laughs) Do you want a guy with good looks or a guy with talent? Hey, wait a minute. I ain't in that one at all.
13: <laughs> all, this, all this fuss about my being on the show, I didn't want to cause any trouble. Well, what did you expect? You might have known Curly'd be jealous of Alice being here with you. And your wife is probably jealous of your being here with Alice. My wife is not jealous. She doesn't mind my being here with Alice at all. Barbara and I are very happily married. You are, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Must be something we
12: can do about that.
13: <laughs> Excuse me, I gotta make a very important phone call.
12: <laughs> it's my duty to call the wife and tell her what her husband's up to. Even if he ain't up to what I'm gonna tell her he's up to.
13: <laughs> what,
11: what, what did he say, Alice? Oh, ignore Frankie. He's always mumbling to himself. Here's our studio. Let's go in. <laughs> It place, You'd better quiet the band down so we can get started.
13: Yeah, okay. Uh, gentlemen. Gentlemen. Uh, please, gentlemen. No.
11: You'll never do it that way, Bob. Let me show you how. All right, fellas, hold it. Hold it. Hold it when I hear. Hold.
13: in it. That's kind of a wild-looking group Phil has
11: here. No, I'm sure you can handle them, Bob. Just take this baton.
13: That feels safer with a chair and a whip.
11: <laughs> <laughs> I'd better introduce you first. Fellas, I want you to meet somebody. This is... Artie, put down that racing form and pay attention. <laughs> ah!
6: Hey, Phil, you look much better with
11: your hair bleached I'm not filling my hair ain't bleached That's the trouble with you You're so interested in that racing form You never look up long enough to see who's leading the band
6: That ain't so I've been with this band for 20 years And I always pay a All right, all right
11: (laughs) I want you to meet your new leader Robert Taylor
6: Robert Taylor? What happened to Paul Whiteman? (laughs)
13: <laughs> nice, uh, wide-awake bunch of schnooks Now, <laughs> uh, uh, look, gentlemen I'm taking Mr. Harris's place As your conductor this week Where's Phil? What happened to him? He, uh, he went to Denver
6: Don't give a shot What happened to him?
13: Well, if you must know He had an accident He was setting his hair last night And he swallowed a mouthful of bobby pins laughter now, let's get on with this rehearsal. For the first number, I suggest we play the Dance of the Woodland Nymphs.
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all we know is that's what I like about the shot. Uh,
13: gentlemen, I prefer the Dance of the Woodland Nymphs. I honestly feel that this selection oh, would be... Oh,
11: Bob, you won't get any place handling them that way. You'll have to talk to them like Phil does. Let me show you. All right, fellas, you play the number Mr. Taylor suggested. We don't want to. We want to play a triller like a book shot. Now, look, Buster, you <laughs> aren't to play nothing we don't tell you
13: to. Yeah, you play what we tell you to, disregardless of what you think.
5: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's
13: our ultimator.
11: <laughs> how am I doing, Alice? Oh, you're doing swell. Keep it up, Bob. All right, you guys, now I don't want no more trouble. We're doing Dance of the Woodland Nymphs. You got the music? Oh, my brother has all the music. Uh, William, do you have that number? Uh, Yes, I have it right here.
9: Okay, let's have it. But, Mr. Taylor, I don't think you should play that either. No, may I suggest something more classical? Something like Rachmaninoff's Prelude in C-Sharp Minor, or perhaps... Get lost, Uh, ledgerhead. Beat it! (laughs) (laughs) Or make a double entry
13: someplace. (laughs) All right, fellas, it's going to be Dance of the Woodland Nymphs, and I'll sing it. Ready? One, 2 <laughs> Won't you come with me to Alabama? Come and see my dear old mammy. She's crying eggs and boiling hammy, and that's what I like about you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold it.
6: Hold it. Hold it, when I.
13: Dance of the Woodland
11: Nymphs? (laughs) Oh, Bob, it's no use. That's all they'll play, so you'll have to sing it. But, Alice, I can't do that. Oh, it's not hard, Bob. Just do it the way Phil does it. Look, I'll show you. All right, fellas, take it from me. One, two... (laughs) Come with me to Alabama, let's go see my dear old mammy, she's frying eggs and brawling hammy, that's what I like about the South. There you can make no mistakey, the snooze are never shaky, All to taste that layer cakey, that's what I like about the South. <laughs> Come on, Bob, with all the news, with the back coat and the button shoes, all paid up with the union dues, and that's what I like about the South. By place called Do What Did He? Ain't no town and it ain't no city. It's all for small bit of a pretty one, do what do. Who needs curly? <laughs> How is that, Bob? Thank you, Madam Schumann.
13: <laughs> hey!
6: Hey, uh,
12: uh, pardon me, Taylor. Your wife's on the phone. She sounds awful mad about something.
13: Mad? Mm-hmm. Nonsense. Barbara never gets mad, Frankie. She's the sweetest girl in the world. Here, let me have that phone. hmm Hello, Barbara. Anything wrong, honey? Yes, I'm, I'm rehearsing with Alice Faye. No, there aren't any torrid love scenes in the script. Now,
12: who could have told her a malicious thing like that? <laughs>
13: What's that, Barbara? Yes, I do. You know I do. All right, I'll say it. I think you're prettier than Alice Faye. Now, are you happy? (laughs) Don't be silly, honey. Alice and I are just doing a show, and Alice is... of course I call her Alice. What do you want me to call her, Sam? (laughs) (laughs) Now, you listen to me, Barbara. I'm going to do this show, and I don't care if... But... I... You! <laughs> yes, dear, I'll be right home. Ah, <laughs> oh, nuts.
6: Something wrong,
11: Bobby boy? What's up, Bob? <laughs> oh,
13: I'm sorry, but Barbara doesn't want me to do the show, Sam. I, I mean Alice.
11: <laughs> <laughs> but, Bob, why not?
13: Well, some contemptible cur called her and told her that the script was full of love scenes between you and me.
11: Oh, but that's not true. Who would have been low enough to call her and... Frankie Remley. Uh,
12: I know you'll pardon me, folks. I haven't company for dinner. I got to go home and
13: deburp the
10: radishes. (laughs) Hey, come back
12: here, you.
13: So you did this just to keep me off the show. Well, just for that, I'm going to stay on.
11: Good for you, Bob. I'll call Barbara later and straighten the whole thing out. Right now, we'd better finish the rehearsal because we'll be going on the air in an hour. Frankie, you ought to be ashamed of yourself.
12: I am. Shame on you. I'm sorry I did this. I'm gonna do something big to make up for it. I'll let Taylor do the whole show. I won't even be on it.
11: <laughs> oh no, no, Frankie, don't be hasty. I want you on the show.
12: No, I—I made up my mind. I'm leaving, and I hope Taylor is terrific. Oh, but I hope it's the best show you ever had. Goodbye. Now let's see. Where's that master switch that cuts this program off the air? <laughs>
10: Just a moment. Is your shampoo doing right by you? Yes, is your shampoo doing right by you? My shampoo lather's all right, but it just doesn't remove my dandruff.
9: I've tried one shampoo after another. They all suds up and rinse out, but I still have dandruff.
10: If your shampoo is letting you down when it comes to removing dandruff, switch to Fitch. Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. It's guaranteed to remove all dandruff. Medical authorities say there are two kinds of dandruff. One is loose and flaky, it's the unsightly kind. The other clings to the scalp, it's the invisible, irritating kind. If your present shampoo is doing only half the job, removing only part of your dandruff, remember, Fitch removes both kinds completely. So be free of unsightly dandruff, be free of invisible, irritating dandruff. Yes, be free of all embarrassing dandruff. Fitch is the only shampoo who is guaranteed to remove dandruff with first application is backed by one of the world's largest insurance firms. So switch to Fitch. At Barber and Beauty Shops, ask for Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo or buy the large 16-ounce bottle featured now at drug counters. Fitch Shampoo does right by you.
1: Alice, how'd the show go?
11: Oh, it was wonderful, Frankie. The sponsor called from Des Moines and said he loved it. He thought Bob Taylor was great. The sponsor heard it on the air? Uh-huh. He
12: couldn't have. I pulled the... Sw- Holy smoke, I must have pulled the wrong switch. So long, Alice. Where are you going? i got to get back to the control room or Edgar Bergen won't be on the air today.
10: Oh, no! A song be a stand-up, Girls for softer, shinier hair. Use Fitch's new cream shampoo. It's made with both lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin to soften, olive oil for sparkling highlights. Try Fitch cream shampoo. Bill Foreman speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
0: So again, this is Buck Betting speaking. Just wanted to come out and, uh, because, uh, some folks have said they've, they've missed my podcast. I haven't done as many of them, so I'll try this week to do a few more. Anyway, uh, I was busy. I've been busy doing my, uh, redoing my shower in our bathroom and also, uh, I took my son out to shoot a rocket up in the air. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, it was fun watching two little boys send a rocket up in the air and be afraid of it coming down. Run, run! Anyway, it was it was entertaining, to say the least. And someone's doing something in their yard, so you can hear that. Anyway, um, I thought I'd talk to you about Fred Allen. I, when I was posting the other episode, uh, Sunday's supposed episode that I think I post on Tuesday. <laughs> anyway, I'm all messed up this week because the... Martin Luther King uh, weekend and everything, but uh, it was with Fred Allen, of course, and discussed how he how Jack and Fred Allen supposedly met. Um, it's not a hundred percent fictitious or anything. I mean they did uh, their meetings were in vaudeville. Uh, they knew of each other. I believe they became acquaintances, even somewhat friends, and then, uh, as time went by. Uh, They became closer and closer friends. And then, of course, I think the feud brought them together as well. And just so we're clear on the feud, I'd assume most people know this, but uh, they were friends throughout the feud. The feud was never a real feud. It was just, uh, and it was nothing they planned out. On both sides, they've said very clearly that it was just something that sort of happened uh, with starting out with, of course, a 10-year-old boy, uh, Stuart... Canaan, isn't his name, anyway, playing on uh, the violin on um, Fred Allen's show, and Fred making jokes about that and, and about Benny not being, not being able to play the piece that the 10-year-old boy played, and then Jack on his show commenting back, and then it just became a back and forth between the two shows uh, that kind of caught the country's attention for a while. At this point in 1950, uh, the episode I played uh, yesterday, of course, then uh, the feud was uh, already long into it. It, it, it. By that time, it was over a 10-year f- feud. So uh, this was kind of one of the end pieces to the feud, I guess you'd say. Uh, Fred would appear on the... Um, on. Uh, the Jack Benny show, television show, and, uh, one time before he died. And unfortunately, uh, he died about five years after this, um, time that you hear him on the Jack Benny show from this week. Uh, the other thing I thought I'd mention, of course, is the show that's coming up tonight. This is not, uh, the Fred Allen show, but this is, uh, uh, Jack Benny from 1938, uh, um, I just love these shows. This time, for him, I love hearing Andy Devine and uh, just the whole gang. Uh, Kenny Baker at his best. Um, Truly a a wonderful golden time for the Jack Benny cast. So I hope you continue to enjoy these early shows pre-Dennis Day that we play every Tuesday. Tonight happens to be Wednesday, but anyway, we'll get back on schedule. So enjoy take care we will see you on um thursday for some more jack benny hey,
5: geez, how, how. Oh.
3: the jello program starring jack benny with mary livingston and phil harris and his orchestra the orchestra opens a program with be a good sport from love and hisses One of our listeners from Boston writes, uh, when I'm dining out in a restaurant and I see the word Jell-O on the menu, I feel just as if I'd met an old friend. Well, you have, because like an old friend, you can always depend on genuine Jello. It will be tempting and delicious wherever you have it. For there is only one Jell-O, and the name Jell-O is a trademark, the property of General Foods. That's the reason we always emphasize the point of your asking for Jell-O by name whenever and wherever you order it, whether it's from your grocer or in a restaurant. Restaurants serving real Jell-O can now display an autographed picture of Jack Benny. Look for his picture as your assurance that they serve genuine Jell-O. So if you want to enjoy Jell-O's delicious, extra-rich fruit flavor, Jell-O's satisfying fresh fruit goodness, always insist by name on the one and only Genuine Jell-O. That was be a good sport played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man who doesn't sing like Crosby, who doesn't photograph like Gable, who cannot act like Muni, yet he's in the movies, Jack Benny.
4: (laughs) Thank you very much. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, you kind of floored me with that introduction. Of course, I'm in the movies. I may not sing like Crosby or act like Paul Muni, but I do photograph well, and you know it.
3: Now, uh, that isn't just what I said, Jack. I merely said that uh, you don't photograph as well as Gable. Now, wait
4: a minute, Don. That might be a debatable point. After all, it is a matter of opinion. You have your side of it, and the rest of us have mine. (laughs)
3: I'm afraid you don't grasp my thought, Jack. Now, I don't mean that you're hideous. Or anything like that. Well, that's doggone sweet of you. (laughs) What I'm trying to say, Jack, is that Gable is a rugged, muscular, outdoor type of man. You know, he goes in for sports like hunting and fishing. Well, what do you think I do?
4: I spent the whole morning reading field and stream. (laughs) And for your information, Don, I sleep without pajamas winter and summer.
3: Go on, you're kidding.
4: Oh, I am, eh? Say, Phil. Yes, Jack. You stayed overnight at my house lots of times. I sleep without pajamas, don't I? Yeah, but you got sleeves in the blankets. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. You should talk the way you dress for bed. You even wear a nightcap. You mean my boudoir beanie? (laughs) Any man that'll wear a nightcap... Well, I have to protect my hair. Oh. I can't put it in a drawer and go to bed like you do. (laughs) Now, that's silly because I never wore a toupee in my life. What was that on your head in your last picture? Spinach? (laughs) Spinach? Yes. Well, it sure had a nice wave in it. Anyway, who started all this talk about my lot and how I photograph and gable and everything? eh?
3: Well, Jack, I read in the paper just yesterday that you're going to start your new picture pretty soon. Oh, is that how you happen to
4: bring it up there? Well, yes, I am. I am, Don, and I want to tell you, uh, fellas, it's going to be a swell picture right up my alley. Uh, They've already sent me a script, And I'm going Hello,
8: Jack. Hello,
4: Mary. Uh, They've already sent me a script, and I'm going to... Hello,
8: Don. How goes it?
4: Well, hello, Mary. Uh, They've already sent me a script, and I'm going to... Hiya, Phil. Hiya, Mary. Glad to see you. They've already... Please, Mary. They've already sent me a script, and you know, (laughs) fellas, I do feel that this time they've really caught the true Benny. Well, Jack, I thought your last picture captured your
3: personality very nicely. Well, Don,
4: not completely. It did have the outer me... You know, a surface portrayal. But in this new picture, you're going to see the inner me. You know, deep down inside. Gee, I can hardly wait till it's released. Me too. I'd like to see what your liver looks like. (laughs) (laughs)
5: Well,
4: that's not what I meant at all.
3: Well, uh, tell me, Jack, what kind of a part are you going
4: to play? What characters? Well, Don, it's something very human. Something that everybody understands. And still... Uh,
8: Did Kenny get here yet?
4: No. And still, it has its humor and deep quality. I feel that at last... That
8: guy never gets here on time.
4: Mary, I'm talking.
8: Oh, then I don't blame him.
4: (laughs) Anyway, fellas, in this new picture, Mm -hmm. I play the part of a kleptomaniac. A kleptomaniac? Yeah, you know, one of those fellas who imagines he's sick all the time, you know. (laughs) You know, a fellow that's always taking pills. Why, that's hypochondriac. A kleptomaniac is a thief. Well, anyway, I play the part of a big word.
3: (laughs) And I'm a very wealthy man, too. Well, uh, Jack, what about the love interest? Who's your leading lady?
4: Oh, she's beautiful, Don. She's that new European star that just came over from Vienna. Her name is Francisca Gall. She's really gorgeous.
8: Who's your leading man? Well, they
4: haven't cast the... I am! (laughs) Who's your leading man? Which reminds me, Mary, uh, just before you came in, Don insinuated that I don't photograph like Gable.
8: Why, that's silly. You got him beat a mile.
4: Certainly. And listen, Don.
8: Say, uh, wait a minute. Do you mean Clark Gable? Yes. Oh, then forget it. (laughs)
4: Don't worry. I'll do all right romantically. You know, fellas?
6: <laughs>
4: yeah, I can't be nervous today. You know? you know, fellas, working with a girl like Francisca Gall, it'll sure be a kick doing those love scenes. Gee, yeah, I hope I won't be nervous.
8: Yeah. Remember that big love scene you had with Gail Patrick in your last picture, Jack?
4: Well, What about her?
8: You were so bashful, you kept ducking behind her all the time.
4: Well, I had to. I had my lines written on her back. <laughs> Believe me, I'll learn my part thoroughly next time.
8: You know, Jack, I'm awfully sorry you're going to make this new picture. I wish it wasn't ready yet. Why, Mary? Well, I've got the most wonderful idea for a love story, and it just fits you to a T.
4: Oh, it does, eh? Your idea? Well, I don't want to hear it. I'll
3: give the kid a chance. What's it all about, Mary?
8: Well, hmm. the scene is a desert island in the South Sea. And Jack is alone on this island with Carol Lombard.
4: Oh, with Carol Lombard. Say, that's a well idea. What happens?
8: Well, when the picture opens, Carol is seen swimming away from the island, and Jack is shouting to her.
4: Oh, she leaves me right at the start of the picture.
8: <laughs> yes.
4: That's a fine story.
8: Don't complain. I had Garbo there, and she swam away, too.
4: Oh. Say, the women take to me like a duck to water. Is there
8: more to it? Yes. Now here you are all alone on this desert island. Yes,
4: yes. yes.
8: And you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So you start carving your initials in a palm tree, which later turns out to be a baboon.
4: A baboon?
8: This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship.
4: <laughs> I see. Well, if the baboon swims away, I quit. <laughs> but at that, there's a situation there. Now, who could play the baboon? Maybe you could double, Jack. Try it. <laughs> Is there any more to it, Mary? Oh, sure.
8: Now, here you are, all alone. I know,
4: I know. I'm...
8: Well, all of a sudden, a bottle is washed up on the shore.
4: A bottle? Yes.
8: So you pick it up, pull off the cork, and 50 chorus girls jump out.
4: Well, it's a little unbelievable, but at least I have company. Uh, then what happens?
8: They all swim away. <laughs>
4: Now, wait a minute, Mary. That's going too far. What's the name of your picture, anyway?
5: Little Swimming.
4: (laughs) Well, that fits. But I'm not interested in it, so let's change the subject. Oh, Phil? Yeah? Are your boys ready for the next number? No, they all swam away. (laughs) Oh, they did, eh? Well, make them come back. Can't do it, pal. They caught up with the chorus girls. Oh, well, here I go, to
8: Splash, splash,
4: dunk. I'm swimming now, folks! I'm (laughs) swimming! that number Phil? a tango or a
3: foxtrot the australian crawl oh oh. we're quite aquatic tonight aren't we Uh yes and ladies and gentlemen if you wish to enter this water carnival swim to your nearest grocer ring yourself out and say give me a package of jello gurgle gurgle
4: well, boy meets Gurgle.
8: That, that
4: was very clever, Don, and certainly apropos. Now, where were we here? So
8: here you are, all alone on this desert island.
4: Mary, I'm not going to be on that desert island because I'm not going to play the part. Get Phil Harris to play it.
8: Oh, no, I want the girls to swim away.
4: Now, <laughs> oh. oh, I suppose Phil would be right at home on a desert island with 50 girls.
5: Yeah, man. <laughs>
4: Well, you play it then. Oh, hello, Kenny.
7: Hello, Jack. I hope you weren't worrying about me.
4: Oh, no, no. Where were you?
7: I was down in a drugstore eating. Oh, oh. had a malted milk, a chocolate soda, a bacon and tomato sandwich, a marshmallow sundae, and a bowl of soup. My
4: goodness, you ate all of that? You must have been awfully hungry.
7: No, it wasn't that. I, I knew I wanted something, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. <laughs>
4: Well, you certainly tried. Gee, I'm uncomfortable. Well, Kenny, why don't you take some bicarbonate of soda?
7: Where'll I put it? <laughs>
4: well, I hope you'll be able to sing. Say, Kenny, you should have been here. Mary was telling me the plot of a story she wrote there.
8: She wrote?
7: Say, I helped write that. Oh, so you
4: helped Mary with it, huh?
8: He did not. All he thought of was the island. I put the water around it. <laughs>
4: well, that was brilliant, there. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Say,
7: Jack, uh, I read in the papers you're going to start your new picture pretty soon. Is that right?
4: Yes, Kenny. In a few weeks, they're casting the picture now. I play opposite that new European star, Francisca Gao.
7: Oh, yes. Yeah, she's that Pekingese.
4: Viennese. <laughs> mm, Pekinese. And she's beautiful, too. You know, she's from Vienna.
8: Vienna? Yeah. See, that's a coincidence. <laughs>
4: Now, what's the coincidence? Well,
8: you're from Vaukegan. <laughs>
4: That's Waukegan with a W. Anyway, Kenny, it's going to be a pretty swell picture. And Francisca, this girl whom I married, is, uh... Oh, say, I just thought of something. Oh, this is awful. What's the matter, Jack? I promised to call her up and make a date to read the script over with her. Mary, get Miss Gall on the phone, will you, please? Wait a minute. Here's the here's the number.
8: Okay. Operator, get me Hollywood 2734.
4: I'm kind of anxious to see her and start rehearsing, you know. I I hope she doesn't think Hello.
8: Miss Gall, please. Yes, Miss Gall from Vienna.
4: That's Vienna, V. I hope she isn't doing anything tonight, because
8: I... Miss Gall, Jack Benny calling. Here you are, Jack.
4: Thanks. Ah, good evening, Miss Gall. Auf Wiedersehen. (laughs) Oh, that comes later, I
5: think.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, what's new? I mean, what's new? (laughs) What's new? Darn you, Mary. Oh, oh, I'm fine, thank you, Miss Gall. How are you?
8: Well, are you enjoying Hollywood? (laughs) Can't be that funny. Quiet. Uh, Miss Gall,
4: I just called to find out when when you'd like me to come over for a rehearsal. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, how about tonight, after the broadcast? I said, after the broadcast. Oh, yes, yes, I'm on the radio. <laughs>
5: uh,
4: she just got in town, folks. Well,
5: uh,
4: I could get there by 9.30. Oh, that would be too late? Well, I could hurry over. I could run over.
8: Why don't you roll over?
4: Mary. Well, all right, Miss Gall, I'll be there right after the program. <laughs> well, goodbye. What's that? Mr. Harris? Oh, do you know Phil? <laughs> Well, Miss Gall, we wouldn't want any interruptions during the rehearsal, you know. You know the old saying, "Three's is a crowd.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, you don't? Well, yes, if you feel... Oh, all right, I'll be glad to bring him along. The more, the merrier, I always say. <laughs> uh, goodbye. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> How long have you known her, Phil? Oh, about a week. I'll be glad to go along. Yes, do that. All I want to do is rehearse and get out. Surely a matter of business with me. Well, I had nothing to do with it. She asked for me, and all I want to do... I didn't say you had anything to do with it. Well, you're not mad, are you? Of course I'm not mad. Mad, what for?
7: Oh, Jack. Oh, go ahead
4: and sing. I've had enough of your back talk.
7: (laughs) Oh, gee whiz. Gee whiz,
4: gee whiz, gee whiz. Well, what are you waiting for? Someday that kid will drive me
5: nuts.
7: (laughs) Nothing seemed to matter anymore Didn't know where I was heading for I'm standing still No one counted till There came a knock, knock Knocking at my door Love Walked right in And drove the shadows away Love I didn't want my family to say One magic moment And my heart seemed to know That love said hello Don't matter. the and I have
4: Love Walked In from Go and Folly, sung by Kenny Baker, and was very good. And now, folks... What are you mad at, Jack? I'm not mad. When I have to rehearse with my leading lady, I don't see why the whole world has to tag along.
7: Phil's the one that's going. I'm not.
4: You can bet your Aunt Susie you're not.
5: <laughs>
4: you got an Aunt Susie. What are you picking on him for? I'm the guy you're mad at. I'm not mad at anybody, so let's drop it. And now, folks, I mean, and now, folks, if my cast will calm down...
8: Calm down from where?
4: Cut out that Dutch comedy, Mary. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction, we are going to present a play of newspaper life, a stirring, fast-moving drama of the press entitled Behind the Front Page or Scoop Benny's Scoop. I will play the part of Scoop Benny, editor-in-chief of the New York Daily Bulletin, a fearless journalist and the sworn enemy of gangland. The rest of my cast will be reporters. The opening scene is the editorial office of the Daily Bulletin, New York City. Curtain. Music.
8: Good morning, Daily Bulletin. Daily Bulletin, just a moment, please. I'll connect you.
4: Hello? Yeah, this is Scoop. Oh, hello, Callahan. Anything new on the Harrington murder? I'm holding the front page open. What? You know the murderer? Good work, Callahan. How did you find out? Oh, you read it in the Express. (laughs) Callahan, you're fired. Hmm, This paper's got the worst bunch of reporters in New York City.
8: What's the matter, Snoop?
4: That's Scoop. (laughs) Telepan found out who murdered Harrington, the banker. He read it in the express.
8: Well, who killed Harrington?
4: I was gone. I forgot to ask him. Here's three cents. Go out and buy an express.
8: It's a nickel now.
4: Well, let it go. <laughs> hmm, this is a fine. How do you do? Hey, Chief, Chief, I got it, I got it. You got what, Harris? I just found out who killed Harrington, the banker. Oh, I suppose you read it in the Express. No, the Oskaloosa Gazette. (laughs) Thanks, you're fired. What, again? Hmm. Oskaloosa, how did they beat us to it?
8: How did they beat us? You didn't even know Franklin D. Roosevelt was elected until you missed Hoover in the newsreel.
4: (laughs) Boy, you should talk after that assignment you were on today. I sent you down to the boat to interview Robert Taylor, and what happened? You didn't even get a story.
8: Well, he didn't know any.
4: <laughs> I don't believe it after the way he's been traveling. You're fired, too.
8: Ah, oh, shut up.
4: What?
7: Hey, Scoop, Scoop!
6: I got it! I got it! Got what, Baker? I found out who killed Harrington, the banker.
4: Oh, where did you read it?
6: In The Woman's Home Companion. <laughs>
4: That's ridiculous. It couldn't have been there.
6: It was, too, right next to a recipe for angel
4: cake. Well, how do they find the murder? You take two cups of flour and a white of an egg. Get out of here! (laughs) No wonder I'm not a nervous wreck with this staff around. Where's yesterday's paper?
8: We didn't print one.
4: We didn't print a paper yesterday. Why not?
8: Nobody thought of it.
4: Oh, it's a fine daily paper.
8: We don't go to press as often as your pants.
4: You said it. Is there a remote possibility that we published a paper today?
8: Yes, here it is.
4: Now, let's have it. Hmm, well, of all things... Miss Stewart, send in our Broadway columnist. Yes, sir. That guy's been getting away with murder.
8: What's the matter, Scoop?
4: Why, that... Did you send for me, Chief? Yes, Wilson. Take a look at this column of yours. What famous dessert is that way about sliced bananas? <laughs> mm, that's fine. Well, what's wrong with that? And look at this. There's no truth to the report that strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime have pits.
5: <laughs>
4: that's fine news. Why, well, cheap people will eat that up. They'll eat what? What? That's what I want to know. Oh. Started. I left out Jello. I'll well, put it in right away and use those big red letters. Gotcha, Chief. Mm. Hey, Livy. Yes, Coop. I was just thinking. I don't care who confessed to the Harrington murder. The guy behind that killing was none other than Nails Mulligan.
8: Nails Mulligan.
4: Yes, and I'm going to print that.
8: You better lay off Nails. You've been writing him a lot lately.
4: Yeah, and I'm going to write him right out of town. The rat. Come in. Hey, Chief. Chief, I got it. I got it. You got what? The measles. Run for your life. <laughs> Wish he'd light, I'd fire him, too. I get your notebook, Livy. I want to dictate an editorial about Nails Mulligan that'll curl his hair.
8: You better be careful. Mulligan says he's gonna get you one of these days and tell you full of lead.
4: Oh, yeah. Well, listen, Livy. You, Benny, ain't worrying about that mug. Not me.
7: Hey, Chief, Chief! What is it, Baker? I was just down to 16th Street, and I saw Cooper's department store burn down. Right to the ground. You did?
4: Where's your story?
7: I didn't get one. You didn't get a story at the fire? Why not? I was toasting marshmallows.
4: (laughs) Baker, that's the last straw. You're fired.
7: Okay, see you tomorrow, Chief.
4: (laughs) Darn it, nobody believes me. Say, hey, Scoop. What?
8: Are you going to run that editorial about Nails Mulligan in tonight's edition?
4: Yes, I am, and I like to see his face when he reads it. The skunk. We can't say skunk, folks.
8: Well, I'd be on my guard if I were you. Ah,
4: oh, forget it. Hey, Chief, here's a package just came for you by special messenger. Looks important. Let's have it.
8: Don't open it, Scoop. Why not? Maybe it's a bomb.
4: Sure, it might be from Nails Mulligan.
8: Yeah, I better not touch it.
4: Let somebody else do it. Where's that guy I hired last week to open packages?
8: He opened one. Oh.
4: Oh. So when he comes down, fire him. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear anything? Listen. I do.
8: It's ticking. Then it is a
4: bomb. I better throw it out. Don't do that. It's valuable evidence. But I don't know evidence. Don't do that. It's a little evidence. Maybe we can find Mulligan's fingerprints on it. Hey, Livy. Yes? Get Charlie Chan on the phone right away.
8: What's his home number? Whoever
4: heard of Charlie Chan at home? Just <laughs> yes, ask the operator to get him.
8: Okay. Operator, get me Charlie Chan. Hurry, please. What? She don't know where he is, Oops. And try
4: Charlie Chan at the opera. I know he was there.
8: Get me Charlie Chan at the opera. What? He's not there either.
4: Mm, it's still ticking. Quick, try Charlie Chan at the racetrack.
8: Operator, get me Charlie Chan at the racetrack. What's that? Oh, Scoop. What? She wants to know what race he's in. Never
4: mind. I know. Try Charlie Chan at Monte Carlo. And hurry, the bomb is still ticking. It's getting louder. Hold on, Scoop.
8: Wait. Operator, get me Charlie Chan at Monte Carlo. Hurry,
4: Libby, hurry!
8: Oh. Hello, Charlie. I got
7: Charlie
4: Chan, Scoop. Here he is. That's fine. Ask him how I can get off of this chandelier. Play, Phil. <laughs>
3: One of the family's favorite desserts made a new and delicious way. Of course, that favorite is jello, and here's a grand new way to serve it: crimson crystal dessert, rich red strawberry jello, and candied cherries in a luscious combination. Dissolve one package of strawberry jello and turn into a shallow pan. Chill until firm and cut into shimmering little cubes. Then arrange the jello cubes in individual sherbet glasses. Combined with 12 Maraschino cherries cut into quarters, it's a swell combination, both in looks and taste. Strawberry Jello has a lovely, glowing crimson color and a flavor that takes you back to last summer's ripe red strawberries. For Jello brings you delicious, extra-rich fruit flavor that cannot be topped. So ask your grocer for genuine Jello and try this luscious new dessert.
4: Of the 17th program in the new Jello series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time when we will present our version of Samuel Goldwyn's masterpiece, Hurricane. So remember, folks, next week we take you to that romantic island of Manakura, the South Sea, the tropics, the beautiful native girls on the beach.
8: I'll bet they swim away.
4: They will not. Good night, folks.
5: J-E-L-L-
3: Oh. Kenny Baker appears on the Jello program through courtesy of Mervyn Leroy Productions. This is the National Broadcasting Company.